Hello, faithful listeners. This is Pastor John Clowater from Faith Lutheran Church here in Forest Lake, and we are so glad that you are listening online to our online podcast. Welcome you to worship anytime on Sundays at 9 a.m. or 10.30, and thanks for being here. Thanks for participating in worship with us as we look forward to the week ahead. A gospel reading from the 24th chapter of Luke. Then he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures, and he said to them, Thus it is written that the Messiah is to suffer and to rise from the dead on the third day, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins is to be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things, and see, I am sending you upon what my Father promised. So stay here in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. Then he led them out as far as Bethany, Lifting up his hands, he blessed them. While he was blessing them, he withdrew from them and was carried up into heaven. And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. They were continually in the temple blessing God. The Gospel of the Lord. Well, grace and peace to you, my siblings in Christ. It's been a rather emotional week, obviously. Uh, you know, I think about how a week ago, as we were gathering for worship, we were thinking about the Marshall family with Dylan and this 15-year-old whose attitude about life was something inspirational for all of us, even as his body was dying from cancer. We talked about his determination and grit and being able to live while he was dying. Uh, but then a few days later, as it hit the news, came this shocking and horrifying news out of Texas and how these kids didn't have a chance. And we didn't know these kids. They weren't, you know, part of our community. They were far off, but the fact that this was in a school, it shook us to our core. I've been talking to teachers this week, and that sadness is overwhelming. And the ways that we think about how this has affected us. I think about how in the six years that I've been at, at Faith, We've held vigils. We've remembered innocent lives who've been killed in places like Parkland and Las Vegas and Orlando, and I could keep going. And it's a reminder that this is a world that's full of brokenness, that this is a place of people filled with hurt, people who have intentions to do destructive things. And as a church, we see the evil, and it's our job to call it out to give voice to those who've lost their voice. And I think about how do we do that. We do it by leaning into each other. We lean into our faith. We lean into realizing we can't solve the problems of the world on our own, but we can do it collectively. One of the most significant ways that the church is able to make a difference is through relationships. We're not going to solve anything this morning, but we're going to be reminded of how important those relationships are as we we forge ahead to go forth into this world. I often tell you stories about the old guys, right? You know the old guys by now. The old guys, it's our men's Bible study that meets on Tuesday mornings at Key's Coffee Shop or Key's Cafe at 9.30. If you'd like to join us, you're always welcome. But did you know the origin of the old guys? 
As I was watching the video this morning about the Planning Hope campaign, I was remembering the leadership of Alexis Oberdorfer. So this woman here. Alexis is actually uh, someone that I know from my last call from Prince of Peace because her dad, Alexis's dad, Don Oberdorfer, uh, is this guy right in the middle. At Prince of Peace in Roseville is where the original Old Guys was created. And I know what you might be thinking, Old Guys, that feels like it might be kind of a, a demeaning term, but really it's a badge of belonging. You see, when I first arrived in 2012, I wanted to start a men's Bible study. This would be a group that would function as my text study, the, the guys that I could talk to as I was preparing for the upcoming sermon on Sunday to talk about what that passage meant and how it affected our lives today. I also realized that if I called it a men's Bible study, about three people would show up. It might not get the attention of prospective attendees in the way that I had hoped. But if you called it old guys, wow, there might be a bit of curiosity about what is this all about. One of the guys who would come, his name's Jim. Uh, Jim was one of the original old guys, and he told me he would have never come to this group if I would have said, hey, everyone, come to our men's Bible study. But something about being called old guys was inviting and different. So the name, where did the origin of the name come from? Well, Prince of Peace hosted a monthly senior fellowship luncheon, and it was called the OKs, the older kids. There was a little kind of a joke that was bestowed upon this group uh, many years before I arrived. So the OKs would have a meal and a program, and they kind of liked that they would gather and they'd feel like kids again. And so they wanted to be known as the older kids. It was a name familiar to the congregation, so the OKs. I'm like, well, let's be something similar to that. The name, the branding, it all kind of fits. Let's be the old guys, the OGs. And the OGs were born. Yes, the original OGs. But here we are. So, you know, the name, the name stuck. And, sen- and since I came to faith, it was something that we certainly were able to, to latch on. It wasn't until I got here to faith that we also started talking about, wow, it would be really great to have a women's study. Yes, we had circles and we had women's Bible studies, uh, that kind of function. But what if we did something very similar to this? And I also knew that there was no way that the OKs to the OGs to a a women's group uh, that had a similar title was going to ever work. So the Women of Wisdom was wisely chosen as the name of that group. You know, I, I think that this original group of old guys... At Prince, of Peace, at Prince of Peace, were they were interesting, and they taught me so much. It was a group of guys with various levels of faith background. You think about different ways of upbringing, different ways that they were educated, uh, different military backgrounds. You talk about different political views. You had rep- Republicans and Democrats in this group. There were guys who had some deeply held beliefs that they were you know, stuck to their core, and then you had some guys who really wanted to rock the boat. Don, in the middle there, Don Oberdorfer was more than a boat rocker. He was someone who was willing to just sink the ship. He loved to just be able to poke and poke and poke. And because of that, he was a little suspicious. He said, look, you know, I'm a former, Don's a former pastor. And so he lived in Baltimore and he told tales of the justice work that he did, especially living close by to Washington, D.C. and the needs within Baltimore. And eventually, he quit his job as a pastor, and he went into media relations. He ended up writing plays. He did some really interesting and cool things uh, post-life as a pastor. 
after he stopped serving in a church. Don would be the first to admit that his own faith was very, very different than what he believed when he was ordained. And so as he settled into Roseville, he attended church every week with his family, with his, his wife, but also his daughter Erin, who had three grown kids of her own. And for a while, Don decided, I better not even try to come to old guys. So finally, one Sunday, it came up in conversation, and we were talking about it, and I said, Don, why haven't you ever tried this? Why haven't you ever thought, maybe, let's, let's come to old guys? And Don told me, oh, oh, pastor, if, if I came to old guys, I'd be, I'd be too out there. The rest of the guys, they would walk out at the things I'd have to say. I suggested he might be a little too worried that he was attending a men's Bible study. I said, Don, no, 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 this isn't a men's Bible study. This is old guys. We're on a journey together. I told him he'd be welcomed, that his voice would be appreciated, no matter how out there his understanding of God was. But pastor, I'm really, really out there. But he came anyway. And yeah, he, he was really, really out there. He could go off on some of the most incredible tangents. But he could also give us some of the most thought-provoking questions to really deepen and challenge our faith. And every time he would do that, some of the more literal believers of the Bible would listen and they'd ask some questions. And they'd learn from him. And Don would give space for it. He'd give room to understand that his doubts or his questions or his unfamiliarity with things and his suspicions wasn't going to get in the way of their own faith development and the faith of the rest of the guys. But he kept speaking up. And he kept doing it because he knew that he could trust that his point of view would be heard and appreciated without feeling like it was threatening or persecuting anyone and anyone else's biblical perspectives. It is truly a healthy way of digging into the scripture, of truly being the old guys. Don did a few things for me. Don helped debunk the myth that the Bible study, I t- this idea of a Bible study, is about finding the right answer to just check it off the list. Don wasn't outside the box. Don believed that there was no box. He modeled also to the guys that the clergy weren't the only ones who could experience God and the only ones that could teach you. We realized that we could teach each other. It really helped put us all on a playing field where we could learn and be respectful of that dialogue. You know, Don helped me to be the leader that I am today. In fact, when I left Prince of Peace, his family gave me a gift. This. This is Don's cross. So when I'm preaching, I think about the faith of Don Oberdorfer, and I think about the courage that this man had. I think about the way his ministry and his mission affected so many others. He was a servant. He loved to be able to serve, to be able to to cook for others, to be able to to bring people together. Don died the year before I I left Prince of Peace. While on vacation in St. Petersburg, Russia, of all places. You know, Don was someone who truly, even in that moment of having to get his body back here, to gather to have that time of celebrating his life, to be able to remember how he affected so many people, was someone who is truly authentic. 
Mark Allen Powell is uh, a retired professor at, at Trinity in Columbus, one of the Lutheran seminaries. In his book, Loving Jesus, he wrote, Authentic Christianity is always a reality to be experienced, not just a collection of facts and doctrines to be learned and believed. So whether that's old guys or women of wisdom, but also our book studies, our refugee support, our veterans committee, or homeless ministry, the design team, creation care, confirmation, Sunday school, or VBS, a canoe trip, the prayer chain. I mean, the list goes on and on of all of the things that we as a congregation continue to do. It's a way for us to experience authentic Christianity together through relationships, through building trust, through knowing that the facts and doctrines are important, but it's, if that's all it is, if, if all we're doing is collecting facts and doctrines to beat others up, if they aren't in the right, then what are we doing here? You see, authentic Christianity takes those doctrines and it takes those facts like baptism, like affirmation of baptism, like communion, and it helps set that foundation. It gives us something to go off of. It's something that plants us. It gives us something to, to turn to when life doesn't go as planned. I love this concept of planting hope because we are truly rooted in our faith. These metaphors from the Planting Hope campaign are so relevant to us because without being rooted and tending to our own spiritual needs, we're going to easily fall over. If we don't trust God to take care of us in those times because we think it's too scary, then where are we going to turn to? You see, we have a history of looking at how these disciples have functioned. The disciples had a history of toppling over when things got tough. Yet they always had Jesus to kind of pull them up by the bootstraps and, and bring them back onto the path. Which tells me we're in good company. Because honestly, it is so hard to be a disciple sometimes. And sometimes our faith just doesn't keep us up. So that's why we need each other to lift each other up. To know that it's okay. That God is waiting and God is with us. So here we are, Ascension Sunday. It's as if the disciples have it all together finally. And trust me, the story of Jesus ascending to heaven, that would have been a story that Don would have said is really, really out there. But that's not the point. It's a story of how Jesus equips us. How Jesus has taught his disciples and how he teaches us to give them that doctrine and belief, but also as that time of hearing the preaching gives us something to do with it. The disciples after the resurrection are finally starting to get it. They're preparing like those white balloons getting sent off into the world to be sent out into the world as well. And now as Jesus is ascending into heaven, he opens up scripture to the disciples. And he says, you are my witnesses. It's time to go out. I'm sending you out. Get out there. Do the things that I've promised. And in fact, I'm going to send an advocate for you. I'm going to send you power from on high. You won't be alone. And next Sunday, Pentecost, the advocate, the Holy Spirit will come. And we remember how important that was. That gave the disciples the inspiration to go out. The same inspiration that we get as we're inspired by the Spirit. And the last thing Jesus does is he blesses them. Disciples, I bless you. 
And what do they do? They worship him. They're grateful. They're thankful. The ascension is a reality to be experienced. It's a moment of authentic Christianity. It's about being in the presence of God and then being witnesses to share it. We don't have to be afraid. There's no such thing as dumb questions, especially when it comes to faith. I love it when little kids come up to me and their parents like, they have a question. And I'll, I love to hear whatever that question is. And we try to answer it together, not because I'm going to be the expert who has the right answer, but I'm going to be the one who's like, well, that's a really good question. I hadn't thought about that. There's really no such thing as being too out there. Because God's welcoming into this life of experiential learning. And these lessons are never complete. Faith is never complete. Faith is an experience. So we keep learning and applying, and we live the way God has taught us to live, knowing someday that we are promised to join our Father in heaven too. But with our time here on earth, God has plans for us. So what's that answer to the question? Be authentic. Help make this world the world you want it to be. Amen. Well, that's it for this week's sermon. Thank you for joining us. Look for more information on faithfl.org or certainly reach out to the office if you would like to receive weekly email updates. Thank you.